like to read with us Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We'll stop right there. That's a lot of reading and a lot of ground to cover. But recalling what we looked at this morning, those first four verses, and the laying aside the weights and the sins that so easily besets us, running the race that the Lord would have us to run by looking to Jesus for strength, for grace, for encouragement, for power, that we might, with cheerful endurance, run this race. And he says, "Ye have forgotten the exhortation. So this is Old Testament. Find this in Proverbs. Find it in Psalms. Um, Despise not the chastening of the Lord. So that word chastening, uh, I think a lot of times we look at that word and we say, well, that's God. He's angry with us because he's done wrong and he's given us a whipping. And certainly that's included in that word. The word means tutorage, education, or training. So the Lord is training, he's educating, he's tutoring sons. And so he says here, Certainly discipline is included there, but there's much more as well. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. So to relax, same word as this morning. Don't relax, don't faint, don't grow weary under His chastening. Because you know what He's trying to do? You know, if you've got children, if you've had children in the past, you taught, you disciplined, you corrected, you educated, you tutored, you rebuked. You done all those things because you wanted to take those little ones that were naturally rebellious, sinful, and self-destructive. You wanted to teach them how to live right in this world. You wanted to raise children and not heathens. Well, that's the way the Lord is. The Lord has redeemed by His power, through the Son of God, a people out of the power of the devil, out from under the deception of sin, 
and a people that were by nature sinners and rebellious towards God. God saved them out of that. And He would like to grow His children to look more and more like the Son of God. He says in Romans 8 that they were predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now that's the work of God. So as we live in this world after salvation, you can expect God to teach us. For us to grow, and I I believe that's missing a lot of times even in the thinking of people at church. Well, they're saved, that's good enough. Well, you might have a youngin', but if the youngin' never grows, wouldn't you say something's bad, bad wrong? I've had several say them youngins is growing up. They're getting big. They are. You know what that is? That's nature. If you're going to have a child, the youngin's going to grow. Well, as children of God... We ought not be like we was the day we got saved. And God's not going to leave His children. You know, when I first got saved, I thought everybody in the church was saved. I thought everything was hunky-dory. And to be honest with you, my knowledge of the true Word of God was just that He had died for my sins. The whole work, there was very little understanding there. God didn't want me to stay there. He wanted me to grow. He wants us to grow. How does He do that? Through this chastening, through this tutorage and education and and training. He's growing His children. And what's the end result going to be? You know, you, you think about your children. You had in your mind what you'd like for them to be when they grow up and they leave your roof. Well, what's God's end result? What's He looking for out of the lives of His children? that they had looked like the Son of God. I believe that's what Paul said he was striving for. I believe that's what God said His will would be for us. Now, we're, we're far from that. I realize that. But the chastening, the direction and education continues. So the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. You know, they're, they're still, and I, I don't want to talk past tense as if we're past anything. But the Lord's had to rebuke a lot of thinking that was set up in my mind and in my heart. He's had to rebuke. That means to refute or to correct. He's had to correct a lot of things that I thought, that I felt, that I believed that did not line up with Scripture nor line up with Him. The Lord has... And you know, I tell you, there's a lot of things man can take and take well, but the number one thing a man can't take well is when he's told he's wrong. And when God corrects a man and says that thinking is wrong, your reasoning here is wrong, the decision you're making and the path you're heading down is wrong, that tends to anger a man to be told that. And a woman as well. It's no different. And so God comes to correct and refute because God would like for us to grow more into the image of the Son of God. When my children begin to go down a road of destruction, we try to quickly correct that action. You know why that is? Because we know the end result of that roadway. We know where that's going to wind their life up. If they live in this habit and in that habit, we know the end result of that, so our desire is to correct it. Well, friends, the Lord knows all things. 
And Lot, he may look toward Sodom and see a well-watered plain and a place where he can go. And why I'm going to go down there and I'm going to double my stock. I'm going to double my money. I'm going to double my goods and I'm just going to prosper down there. But the Lord saw the end of it. Lot was heading to destruction and a loss of everything that he had. It would have been good if he could have been corrected before, wouldn't it? Well, know this, the Lord would like to correct us before we get to that place that we lose all that we have. So don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be angry. Don't disesteem when God would come to correct what I think, what I feel. When God would come to correct my life and and veer me back to the Word of God, we ought not despise or disesteem is what the word means. To think little of. The gospel is thought very little of in our day and hour today. Man does. Man wants a, a love message, a peace message, a pat on the back, and go to the house. Don't correct me. Don't tell me what's wrong. Don't preach about sin. Don't preach about righteousness. Don't preach about holiness. Just make us feel good and let us go to the house. And they despise the chastening and correction of the Lord. Well, he says, Despise not, nor faint, when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You know what he says in Proverbs? I'm sure you all know the verse. He that spareth the rod... You hear spoil. That's not what the book says, though. He that spareth the rod hateth the child, is what the book says. You can look it up when you get home. It's there, I promise. So by the word of God, those that spare their children correction, while we may think that's loving, that's kind, that's the right thing to do, that's what the devil says. That's what the devil's promoting in our world today. The word of God tells me, if you're not going to correct and lead them down the right way, you hate that child. Well, I wonder, does the Lord hate any of his children We talked about this morning what God did to bring us into the family of God. He gave His Son, the author and finisher of our faith, that we could be saved. Saw us from before the foundation of the world. The Lord seen us down through the ages of time. And for the joy that was set before Him, He suffered that we could be brought in. Now does the Lord hate any of His children? Do you think the Lord's going to save anybody? And let them wander off with no correction and no guidance. You know what you'd say? Here's a young'un, 10, 12 years old, mom and daddy, they don't give any correction, they don't give any guidance. You'd say, that ain't much of a parent there. That's pitiful. I feel sorry for that young'un. They need some parents. That's what you think. Well, I wonder, what kind of parent is God to those that He births into the family. Does God just let His run wild? Will He let His children run wild? And the Bible says, uh, for whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth. So that word chasteneth there, it means to train up a child or to educate. Scourgeth means to flog. There's times that you can set a young'un down and you can educate them and say, look, that is wrong. Maybe they did it in ignorance. 
Maybe they said something that they didn't know was wrong and you can set them down and say, listen, you don't do that again and this is why. You know what that is? That's training and that's education. But there's times now that you've told them before. Maybe you told them twice. Maybe you've told them three times that this is wrong and you ought not do that and yet they continue to rebel against what they know to be wrong. You know what's got to happen then? A scourging. A flogging. Now the Lord, the Lord's training, He's educating out of the Word of God. He's teaching me and showing me through the Gospel, through the Spirit, through the Word, where I ought to be in this life. And if I continue to rebel against His Word, I continue to be disobedient to what He reveals to me, you know what He's going to do? He's going to scourge me. I don't have to be with a car wreck. I tell you the Lord can scourge me just like that in the heart, with a spirit, and bring me to my knees in a moment. He can, just like He did when I was lost. He can scourge me in my heart in a moment and bring me down. And I'll tell you what He can do. I can say, God, I'm just not willing to do that. I've said that before. Well, that ain't that bad. I'm not willing to do that. And in just a day or two, the Lord brought me to the place that I was willing to do what He said. So God, not letting His children do as they please, not letting them run wild in the world, no, the Lord loves His children. And for that reason, His desire is to direct and to educate and to teach them how they ought to live and how they ought to do in this world that they might look like the Son of God. So whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son, none left out. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So this father said, If you spare the rod, you hate the child. So do you think that father is going to spare the rod on any of his children? God the Father? Is He going to allow His children to run headlong continually in rebellion and in sin and never correct them? Absolutely not. You know why that folks can continue in rebellion and in sin and in what they know in their heart to be wrong and God never corrects them and brings them back to the will of God. Do you know why that is? If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. It's not a bad word. The word means illegitimate. It means that God is not the Father. They do not belong to God. So if they don't belong to God, then who do they belong to? There's only two. God told Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, told the Pharisees in the book of John, He says, you're of your father, the devil. And the works of your father, you'll do. And you know what the devil wants? The devil wants me to rebel. The devil would like for me to do wrong. He's certainly not going to correct me. He's going to encourage me down that road. So those that go on without correction you can guarantee that they don't belong to God. If they were God's children, 
God would correct them and God would bring them back. There's a lot, a lot's done, a lot said, and a lot thought today that people can be saved and can flip-flop and wish-wash and play and sin and God never do anything about that. I read about a God that spoke the world into existence. A God that by His power all things have consisted unto this day. A God that it amazes me, and maybe this is silly to you, but the sun, you can read about how large that it is, how many times the earth can fit inside it, what a great fire that's burning there. How much propane would it take to fuel that for a day? If we were going to light a fire that size, how much fuel would we have to have to burn that? And yet it burned, and it's burned for 6,000 years, and the only thing I see that's fueling it is God said, and God put it there. And you're telling me that that God that gives life to everybody is not able to save me and keep me and direct me? I'm, I'm afraid people are wrong. Those that are His, they'll be chastised. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. So furthermore, let's drive the point home a little more. We all had a father, and I realize earthly fathers, they may not all be good. But we've all had a father. And you know what they did? They chastened and corrected and educated us by their own pleasure, the Bible says there. That means by what they think or seem to be right. They tried to correct and lead our life in what they thought and what they felt was the right way for us to go. Are they always right? They're not. They're earthly. But you know, they, they love and they want to do best even if they lead the wrong way. Their desire is the best for the children. Well, they, the Bible says that they corrected us and we gave them reverence. We, we respected what they said. And I realize that's about out the door in our world today as well. But I believe you know what we're talking about. We gave them respect and reverence because we knew they loved us and we knew they wanted what was best for us and they were trying to direct us in the right way and we gave them respect. Well, if I'm going to give respect to an earthly man that's here today and gone tomorrow and that can think and believe the wrong thing, then why would I not give reverence and respect to the Father of Spirits, to God Almighty, the God that cannot lie, the God that can never be wrong, the God that knows the end from the beginning, why would I not be subject unto Him? If I'm going to yield myself to what my daddy says, because he might bust my hind end, why would I not submit myself to God the Father that holds the thread of my life in His hand and it's by His mercy and compassion that we've been redeemed. They verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit. Now that word means 
uh, give me just a second, to bear together, to collect, or advantage. So the Lord's chastening, His discipline, His education is that we might be born together with God, to bear together. I realize maybe that sounds strange, but what greater advantage is there to a child of God than that we would be drawn near to Him? The picture there, Jesus said of Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen doth her brood. As that chicken gathers her little chicks in under the wings to protect them and keep them from the harm, God says, I would have done that to you if you would have come to my word. Well, there's the picture. What, what greater advantage is there than for us to be drawn near unto God, for us to be drawn up under His wings, under His protection, and led by His Spirit. Moses said that God, you being with us, is the only thing that makes us different from all the other nations. That we would be near to God, blessed with His presence and with His Spirit. God corrects us that we might draw closer to Him. That we might be partakers, a participant of His holiness. So God's desire is that His children would have lives that would be near to Him and that we might be a partaker a participant in His holiness, that we might walk, this is how He says it in Ephesians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Does the world know what's acceptable to God? I mean, my Lord, I've heard in funerals from men that call themselves preachers that you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. He's saying here's, here's a lady laying here that lived 90 years and not one time darkened the church house doors. Not one time gave God thanks for what He had given her. And He's saying, why, this lady, she's in heaven. God accepted that. Is that true? It's a lie. It is not biblical. It is not true. So what does God say? God wants us to prove what's really acceptable to Him. To a world that's in deception, to a world that's believing lies, to a world that's living in darkness, God would like for His church to prove what's truly acceptable and prove what the right thing is. God would like for us to be partakers and participants in His holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. So the tutorage, the discipline, the teaching, and you know God don't just teach out of the Word. God can teach me in a lot of ways. And you know the teaching and the instruction, you know we talked about in the first part of this, the race, the cheerful endurance, the hardness, the trials, the doubts, the fears, the hard times. And you know the trial, the putting to proof, he compares it in Peter to the trying of gold that they put through the fire, they heat it and they melt it and they draw off the dross 
that the gold would be more pure. Well, there's God's children. He's putting us through the fire. He's putting us through the trials. He's turning the heat up on us. He's running us through these hard times that we might learn how to trust Him. That He might draw off all of the dross, all of the filth out of our life, and that we might come out of the trial looking more like the Son of God than we did before. Now, none of that seemeth to be joyous. That don't prove It don't make me happy to have to endure a trial. It don't make me happy to have to endure hardness. It doesn't bring joy to me to have to suffer in this life. It's not joyous, but grievous. That means sadness. It seems counterintuitive. You remember when you was a youngin? Ain't that what you thought? Mom is mean. Daddy's mean. This ain't love. This is hurting me. But you know, you get a little time from then to where you're at now. Was that true? That was love, wasn't it? You know what I've, I've always heard? Anybody that's of age, this is what I've always heard. I got some whoopings, and I wished I'd have got a lot more. You know what that is? That's the, that's the benefit of looking back. But at the present, no chastening seemeth to be joyous. When you're enduring and going through the trial, when God's got you in the fire, I tell you when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're looking into the fiery furnace and it's heated seven times what it wants to be heated, when Daniel is down praying and they take him up and they take him to the den of lions and he's looking in where the lions are, when the trial and the fire is hot, it's not a pleasant time. Yet, we know the end of that account. We know that those three men, they were willing to burn up. They said, we're not careful to answer you. Whether God delivers us out of here or not, we're not going to bow. Daniel knew the commandment that came that no man was to pray or they was going to be thrown into the den of lions. And Daniel went home and raised his window, and he prayed just like he did every day. He didn't wait till midnight when nobody would hear. He didn't go and hide somewhere in the wilderness so that nobody would see him. He done just exactly what he always did, and when the hardness came, he endured that. And they changed the king's commandment by their endurance and willingness to stand. So, at the present, no chastening seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So those that are exercised, it's just exactly like gold. Now you got 10 karat gold, you put it in the fire... And you draw off the dross, and you draw it enough, you know what you're going to wind up with? 24 karat. Pure gold. The impurities have been gotten out of it. Now, how close are you to pure, would you say? Paul said, I've not obtained, but I'm striving. I believe that's where we all are. We've not obtained, we're not perfect. We're not where we're the image of the 
Son of God yet, but the church of the living God is striving for that mark. We're running for that prize. And God would like to draw the dross out of us and purify us Well, by the Word of God. If we're going to grow, if we're going to be educated, it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be joyous. It's going to be grievous. And we may, just like we did when we was 10 years old, say, why are they doing this to me? Why won't they let me do this? Why would they punish me in this way? Love, that's the way we think today. God puts a little fire in our life. God, why would you do this to me? It's not joyous. It's grievous. But know this afterward. When we come out of the fire, when we come out on the other side, it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Mom and Daddy corrected us for a reason. They had an image in mind that they wanted you to be when you growed up. God Almighty's got an image, the image of the Son of God. And He's molding us and making us. He's growing us. He's teaching us and instructing us by the Word, by experience in life, by the fire of the trial. He's teaching us that we might grow and it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So those that are trained up. Who gets trained? Everybody that's God. Belongs to God. Is born of God. They receive training. And they're going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You can read in Ephesians, in Galatians, in Corinthians, it said the fruit of the Spirit. So if you've got an apple tree and you fertilize it and it's watered and you trim it, you know what it's going to yield? It's going to yield apples. So a child of God that God is working on, that God's chastening, that God's correcting, that God's pruning the filth and ungodliness out of, they will yield the fruit of the Spirit of they can't help it because they belong to God. God's leading them that way. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Now, there's no sense in having our head down and depressed and unable to look up and give any glory to God no matter where we are in life. Realize this. God is in control of everything. If he's not, then how can I trust him with everything? Can you answer that? God's in control of the wicked. He's in control of the saved. He's in control of the governments. He leads them as he sees fit. He leads them sometimes into destruction. He leads them into judgment. Sometimes He leads them to victory. But know this, there's nothing outside of the control of God. And know this, as God's children, He's looking for our benefit, for our advantage, for our profit, for us to grow into the image of the Son of God. So why be depressed 
about where life is right now, knowing that God's desire is for our benefit, that He's trustworthy. Wherefore, don't let your head hang. Don't let your uh, feeble knees be cast out of the way. Let it be healed. Come to the Lord and trust Him and be followers of Him knowing that He's leading us closer and nearer to Him. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather... Let it be healed. So God says, make straight paths. They said of John the Baptist that he would come casting out the stones and they would be laying the highway of holiness, that there would be no stumbling blocks. Well, here's the picture here. Don't let anyone be turned out of the way. It'd be a shame for somebody to turn from following God somebody to turn from the gospel, somebody to be soured at the church or at the Word of God because I'm down and depressed and doubting and disbelieving God. Well, if God's like that to them, why would I want to follow that God? That'd be a shame. So he says, don't let it be turned out of the way, but rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, if I'm not willing to walk in holiness and honor the Lord, then who's going to see the Lord in my life? If I go to work and I sin repeatedly and continually, openly in rebellion, and then a week later I try to testify... What's a devil going to say in their mind? Are they going to see the Lord in me? Are they going to believe what I have to say? They're going to say, well, there ain't nothing to that man. I'm just as good as he is. And he's just as evil as I am. The Lord would like for His church to be separate, separated, a set-apart people that He can use for His glory in this world. And know this, without holiness, without separation, no man shall see the Lord. My testimony would be of no value to you if you knew some sin that I'd committed. If I was currently living in sin, my preaching would mean nothing to you. That'd be the first thing in your mind. That'd be on your mind the whole time I was up. And when I got up and went to the house, that'd be on your mind when you went home. You'd talk about it with your husband, with your spouse. You'd talk about it with your family. You'd talk about it with your mom and daddy. You'd say, That's, that man's a sinner. He's done this. And what about him come and try to preach to me about living right? What a hypocrite. Well, without holiness, that's the way the world looks at us. Actors. Hypocrites. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God could come short of or to be inferior. Lest any man fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. You know what the devil would like? He'd like for me to grow bitter. Bitter at the church, bitter at the gospel, bitter with my life, 
angry. The, the word is poison, poisonous. He had liked for me to be bitter with a preacher and bitter with a church and that to spring up. And you know what a root does now? You get a crabgrass root and you get it started. You know what it's going to do? It's going to spring up. Well, you let that bitterness in the heart. You let that fester and you leave that there and you don't dig that up. That's going to spring up. That's going to spring up and be a weed. It's going to be poisonous. It's going to be hurtful to all those round about us. So he says, beware, look diligently. Beware lest any man fail, come short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, contaminated, polluted, or sullied. It'd be like this cup of water up here. It's fresh. It's clean. It's pure. But you start putting drops of oil, used motor oil, you know what that's going to become? Contaminated. It's not going to be pure anymore. It's going to be polluted and contaminated. Well, bitterness, anger, resentment in the church towards God, towards the gospel, and towards the correction of the Word of God, you know what that's going to do? That thinking... That's going to spring up out of you. You're going to say something about it to somebody else. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to contaminate them. And they're going to say, you know what? They've got a point. And that, that is going to defile and contaminate many round about us. Because we're upset, we're angry that God would correct us as He did. And that's going to be hurtful to all those round about us lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. You know what Esau was? He was vain. And he come in from hunting one day. Now he was a grandson of Abraham, who was a rich and mighty man. Do you reckon that he didn't have anything to eat? No, they had plenty to eat. I'm certain of it. But he had been out hunting. And he come in, and his belly was growling, and he was hungry. And his brother Jacob was there making some soup. He said, give me a bowl of that. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And instead of waiting, instead of saying, no, I'm not going to do that, he was vain. He wanted something right then and right now. He traded his birthright for a bowl of pottage. Now you know what he's going to do? He's going to regret it. And he's going to seek repentance bitterly with tears. But Jacob is not going to give it back. It's gone. Now you know what the Lord's desire is? He don't want us to wind up like Esau. He don't want us to wind up like Lot. He don't want us to wind up like these that lost so much and lost so great because of their vanity and because of their ignorance and because of their rebellion. So God corrects and God leads and God directs our lives 
that we might, instead of being vain like Esau, instead of being poisonous and defiling many around us, He had liked for us to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. He had liked for us to grow in understanding and in knowledge of the Word. He had liked for us to be filled with a Spirit that we could walk in this world and have a life that's an example unto God of all the people round about us. He had liked for us to prove what's acceptable and what's true to Him. Paul wrote to Timothy, speaking about the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. Where else are you going to go and learn anything true about God outside of the church? There's only one people in the face of the earth that really knows anything about God. There's only one people on the face of the earth that knows what the Spirit of God is. There's only one people on the face of the earth that knows who God and what His salvation is. The church. Those that He's saved. Those that He's educated. And those that He's taught. So God help us to not be bitter to not be angry, to not be upset, to not despise the chastening of the Lord, but realize what God would like for us to be and what He'd like to keep us from. Keep us from destroying ourselves. I think about myself naturally. I was living a life that was going to bring destruction to me. And spiritually, I was on the road to eternal destruction for the soul. And God came... God corrected me that I would turn from that lifestyle and my life could be saved. And He saved my soul as well. Now God would like for us to grow from that day onward till the day that we die that we might be witnesses and lights for Him in this world. That's all that's on our heart.